When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. She's a fashion blogger, model, and entrepreneur. She's amazing. The latest tips on fashion, beauty, wellness, travel, and her lifestyle. And now, here's the founder and creator of Not Basic Blonde, Olasha. Hi loves, welcome back to another episode of Not Basic Blonde podcast. Today we'll be talking about how to optimize multiple streams of income that generate six figures. And my guest today is Justin Caviar. Justin is the serial entrepreneur, meta learner, biohacking expert, as well as renowned public speaker. Justin is a founder and host of the Justin Caviar Show, which is a weekly podcast for you to plug into if you're looking to scale and grow your health, wealth, life, and entrepreneurship. This podcast is specifically designed to show you what's possible and to help you become your very own superhero. So today we'll be talking about how to optimize multiple streams of income that generate six figures and so much more. But before we dive in, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review Not Basic Blonde podcast on Apple Podcasts. Hi, Justin. Welcome to Not Basic Blonde podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for being my guest and having such an amazing background and being like serial entrepreneur. We would love to learn more about you. So would you please tell our listeners about yourself, your career, how did you start it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Justin Caviar. I'm a podcaster, meta learner, human guinea pig, serial entrepreneur. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do a lot of things, right? I interview world-class performers on the Justin Caviar show. Um, I've set my life up in a certain way where I don't technically have to work. And that's what we can kind of get into. And maybe we can help some current entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs and implementing systems and you know, passive income ish. We can get into that because the word kind of gets mis misconstrued. It has been misconstrued over time, but my, my goal is really to build connections, help other people and then help the future generation. And we can get into uh, parenthood and schooling and stuff too. It's incredible. And based on your life experience, what you take on the disparity of opportunities between high and low income families in the US? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky thing. It's a very tricky thing. So I grew up relatively poor. Uh, I had friends that were in private schools in the richer areas, and I saw the advantage that they had. And it's uncomparable. If you expect a child to be able to compete with someone that comes from a, I guess, quote unquote, rich family, you're setting a child's expectations unrealistic. So obviously, there's an exception to everything. And just fair warning, if anyone speaks in absolutes, then you should be worried about that person. You should be concerned because there is no such thing as absolutes. There's people that come from poor families that become super successful. And there's people that are come from super successful families and rich families, and they, and they become kind of average or below average subpar at best. Right. But if we're talking percentage wise of the masses schooling at in the adolescent years plays a huge role in the person's development and the person's i guess you could say success rate of being whether that's you know an entrepreneur or uh, any type of pro professional a doctor a you know, researcher scientist attorney engineer 
you know, the people that we identify in America as successful careers, and you know, it plays a huge role in your upbringing and your income and what zip code you live in, what school you go to. My high school was a four out of 10, four out of 10 in Florida, which is also much worse than if you live in, you know, New York or Massachusetts, because the bars, for whatever reason, the education is higher out there or up there. And then also on the West coast too, like San Francisco education, the standard is a lot higher than down here in Florida. So my, so my goal in life really is I do all these businesses and I help people grow. And, you know, obviously we're trying to make money, but I kind of structure my life as like kind of how Bill Gates did, where the first half of his life is acquiring extreme amounts of wealth. And then the second half of his life is giving back and helping people. And my big vision after all the business stuff and, you know, the podcast stuff is done is to create some type of private school level education for unprivileged kids and not just extremely poor kids and extremely poor families, but also like middle-class families. Cause I feel like the middle-class kids and below right below middle-class, those kids get ignored and that's most of our population. So if I could create some professor X Xavier school uh, for kids to give them the highest level for free, that, that would be, I would have a fulfilling life and I could die happy. I love that idea. I usually, I mean, I have kind of similar one as well. I do want to give back and that's my goal too. I mean, I do even now as much as I can, but in the future, that's what I'm aiming for as well. So tell us our, I mean, tell us your secret. How do you create passive income that Mm. you don't have to work hard? So you just like basically work smarter, not harder. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Another tricky thing. So people like it's cliche to hear like a Gary V type character. So yeah, just grind it out, work hard. And there is some element of working hard. I think a lot of people give up either way before they succeed or right before they succeed. So persistence definitely is a big thing. It's like growing any type of podcast, right? In the beginning, your numbers are very bad, you know, unless you come from a, you know, a, platform where you already have a bunch of followers well let's say you have no following you and you create a podcast or a youtube channel or whatever it's going to be hard in the beginning you're going to get two downloads five downloads 10 downloads 30 downloads at the most within the first six months to a year if you're coming from nothing but as the progression of your show and the progression of your character you get better and then it starts to grow and you know we've all been there where we've noticed someone where they've been doing a show for five years and you saw one video of them and now you're hooked, right? So there's always someone out there that is waiting for your stuff. And the reason why I use that analogy of growing a, I guess you could say following, is because that's kind of how business is, is you can work as hard as you can and just have really bad luck and just fall into, you know, maybe you made some bad decisions, maybe you made the right decisions, but again, you know, Venus didn't align with Saturn and you just have bad luck. Uh, So, I do think that there is an element of hard work and I do think that there's a huge element of luck. However, yes, working smarter, not harder, implementing systems and implementing tools to make the put yourself in the best position to make the best decision is very crucial in how you are successful and how you get to where you want to be, whether that's learning a foreign language, whether that's becoming a pilot, whether that's becoming a multimillionaire or a billionaire. It's putting yourself in the right position using tools and tactics and then implementing those and then never stopping. And literally until you die, you just never stop. And eventually you'll become successful. Some people will become successful a lot faster, but if you never stop, you will become successful at some point, hopefully before you die or you'll die on the way to becoming successful. So you really don't have too many options. So how do you actually create the system that works for you? Like, what is your biggest secret? And how is someone who is trying to succeed or someone maybe already who is ongoing and entrepreneur already, but is trying to create system that kind of works? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. So it depends on really what you're doing, right? So we'd have to like classify and deconstruct what you're doing. Uh, I like the Tim Ferriss method of the DIS method, uh, deconstruction, uh, sequencing and uh, stakes. The biggest thing is 
you have to identify what you want to be. So in 30 years, 20 years, 10 years, five years, five minutes, what is the version of Justin does Justin want to be, right? And then once you map out exactly where you want to go and you have a clear vision, then we can start implementing and then we can start deconstructing. And business is kind of like learning the guitar. You can learn a John Mayer rift. You can learn a Metallica rift. But you're just learning the song. You're not really understanding the root of the guitar. You're not really understanding what is going on. You're just hearing the song. You watch someone on YouTube and then you copy the pattern. But you're not understanding the root cause and the keys and the in the notes. So with anything, you want to go back to the root cause once you've identified where you want to go. Um, I think a big thing about business is, yes, implementing systems. And there's a lot of reasons why implementing systems is important. Number one is... If you're training new people, you already have a system in place. So like if you go to work for Walmart or you go to work for McDonald's, they're not on the fly trying to figure something out. They already have a proven system that you get in there. They cultivate you and then they put you in the machine, right? And it's all about building machines. And what is, that could mean with one business, that can mean with multiple lines of income, right? In my biz, In my life, I've created multiple businesses, but they run on autopilot where basically I'll fund them. I'll have somebody run the whole show and then we'll split the profit. So they have incentives to do good. I'm funding the whole project and then I'm taking half the profits. So if that one business generates two, three, four hundred thousand, well, what happens if I have nine of those? You know, and then having managers underneath you to control that. That's when building systems is very important. Um, and then we can get into we could talk about like different tools on, you know implementing systems and what I use, or if you don't have a business and you want to create a business, you know, what are good ways for like creativity and what are good daily habits in order to be a top level entrepreneur or scientist or doctor or whatever. Yeah. Can you please tell us more, which systems do you use And for someone? Do you think schedule is important or of course you Mm -hmm. said structure is important, but how do you get into the structure? Yeah, structure is definitely important. Um, I think you just you definitely need to be on a you need to have good sleep, obviously, have a good circadian rhythm, and you need to be you don't have to necessarily do the same thing every day, but you need to write out yourself the day before. Like the day is one prior, right? The day before is going to catapult you into the next day and make it successful. So I think that's a, a definitely a big component. Um as far as tools wise, I think Building a second brain. Uh, if if anyone's ever heard of Notion, there's a guy named Tiago. He's actually coming out with a book called Building a Second Brain. It's not out yet. Um, I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but it's not out yet. And basically, your brain is wired to forget stuff. You don't want to remember everything. You want to only remember the important things. That's why building a second brain and one of the app or website that I use is Notion is putting all your ideas and funneling them into categories and storing them. And that's your storage of your quote unquote second brain. So you're kind of like offloading your data into this second brain, which is Notion. And now you have more time to focus on something. And then you can go back to your second brain and look at, oh, wow, I thought about this when I was walking my dog, this popped into my head. Like how many times have you been in the shower and some miraculously great idea popped into your head. And by the time you were done drying off, you forgot about it. So I think that's number one. I think a lot of people come up with genius ideas, but then they end up forgetting. Building a second brain is, has been a huge part to my success and creativity. Cause I'll go back to an idea that I thought about six or seven months ago and I won't even implement it in the moment, but a year later, I'll start implementing that. But I would have totally forgot about that if I didn't have it in my second brain. So I think that's a really good system and tool um, to use. And then overall health too. Um, If you're not healthy, you're not going to think clearly. If you're not thinking clearly, you're not going to make good decisions. If you're not making good decisions, you're not going to be rich and you're not going to help people. So it's a, it's a chain reaction. And you know, like on my podcast, I interview a lot of scientists and I'm really understanding like the root cause of why we do things in psychology. Um, and then the second part is tactics, systems and how anyone off the street eventually can become successful. So basically, some people are not successful because not of lack of, I guess, being smart or resources, but actually lack of structure. Structure is a huge part. Yeah, it's definitely a huge part. 
I mean, obviously, the smarter you are, the better chance you have of being successful. I, I don't think I really need to uh, elaborate on that. But I know a lot of dumb people that are really rich, like really rich, and they're not smart. Like their IQ is probably around 75 to 80. You know? I also know too, like they didn't even go to high school and they're millionaires. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, and you don't even have to necessarily go to like professional school or traditional education, right? I know a lot of super, super smart people that dropped out of high school. They School just wasn't for them and they're tinkerers and they actually ended up becoming not on paper engineers, but basically engineers. They know everything about engineering and they have huge engineering firms. They have huge um, construction companies. They're GCs. So I don't necessarily think that you need the traditional route or a traditional traditional education identifies you as a genius or not. But the smarter you are IQ wise and EQ, yes, you have a better chance of becoming successful and acquiring more wealth. But it's not a, you know, it's not a black or white answer. It's not, you know, 100% if you're a genius, you're going to be rich. So and vice versa, if you're not that smart on paper, like you're not that good at calculus doesn't mean that you cannot be rich because I know so many people that have became rich in real estate and have became rich in crypto and other stuff just by following the rules in the system and having good luck. So if you're starting a tech company, yeah, maybe that might not be the best route, but like, you know, Neil Patel says, uh, real estate is where dumb people become wealthy. Take that with a grain of salt. What is the most distinctive quality of the elite world-class performers that sets them apart from the masses? Discipline, thick skin, like rhino thick skin. Like the ability to get screamed at and embarrassed in front of a group of people and not completely ignore it, kind of like a sociopath, but being able to understand why someone would say that, take it in, and actually not get emotional about the response of this person. I think that is a huge part because a lot of people, they're embarrassed to try. And if you don't try, then you don't have any chance. So I think the the more you care less about what people say, the better. Now, I don't recommend you just ignore everything and just think you're a god, right? I don't think you're, oh, I'm Prometheus. I'm just going to go like this godlike figure, Dr. Manhattan-like figure. I don't believe that you should do that. I think you should definitely consider everyone's feelings, whether it's a homeless guy on the street or Elon Musk. I think you should always take in information, but look at it from more of like a scientific view. Like look at yourself, like you're in the lab looking through a glass wall saying, hmm, Justin did this. Oh, how did, oh, Justin reacted this way. Or if I'm in conflict, wow, I'm surprised that Justin react. I'm surprised my feelings. Like I got very anxious and I thought I was in control of your emotions. Just be aware of yourself. And I'm, I'm still doing this to this day and I'm by far not a master at this. And sometimes I surprise myself, be aware of how you react to things and then work on them and tinker. It's like a car you work on it. Oh, wow. We got to here, but then the brakes weren't as well. It's always about tinkering and stuff, but rhino skin for sure. You have to, you can't take everything to heart. I think that would be a probably the number one thing. Persistence. You have to be able to take rejection, which goes into having that thick rhino skin. Continuously learning. And it doesn't matter what you're learning. You, you could be learning Japanese. You could be learning Italian. You could be learning electrical engineering, mechanical engineering. It doesn't matter what you're learning. It's just the fact of learning new skills you're going to be better and they're going to transfer into other things, right? So like right now I'm learning Mandarin Chinese um, and I'm learning German, right? And amazing, like I'll be able to speak Chinese one day or Mandarin Chinese, a form of Chinese. But I'm not only doing it to speak Chinese. By doing that and building stronger connections with the neurons, that's going to carry over into business. That's going to carry over into public speaking. That's going to carry over into podcasting. And the more knowledge that I can obtain, the better. Doesn't mean I don't have to be a master at this one specific area, but just the art of learning and becoming a quote unquote meta learner is going to carry over. So I would say never stop learning, challenge your brain, and then, you know, the cliche physical fitness and stuff. Um, and then implementing systems, implementing systems, work as hard as you can. It sounds cliche, but. That would be my top thing. Uh, the The people that are the most successful, they have a very distinct ability to never stop. 
And if you're in my way, I'm going to be the juggernaut and literally run you over and keep going. And I might look like an idiot, but I'm never going to stop. And in 20 years, I'm going to be successful. And me looking like an idiot 20 years prior is irrelevant. So that would be a good start. And then you can get into the weeds of how to, okay, once you've established all those you know, basis, right? Then it's like, okay, how do we throw lighter fluid onto the fire? How do we put NOS into this car? So, but I would stick to, I would definitely say that those are the key aspects of a successful entrepreneur or successful person. These are very important points you mentioned. I totally agree with you. And I guess like many people are afraid to start something because they have fear of failure. And yeah, like you said, being embarrassed because what if it doesn't work out and then it looks like a joke so but you have to be yes not not to cut you off but this is very important for the listeners you have to be okay with failing you have to be and i'm going to tell you why you have to be andrew huberman a professor out of stanford he also has a um, podcast called huberman lab he says that the only way literally the only way that adults learn new skills is by making errors okay so when you learn a new skill. It doesn't matter if you're learning Japanese or you're learning piano. If you're not getting something right, your brain automatically goes up. Oh, this is wrong. We need to draw attention to it. Now you're in a state of neuroplasticity, but it's only when you fail. So you literally cannot get smarter unless you feel dumb. So the faster you're okay with failing and not caring and you know releasing your ego the better you'll become at everything. And you literally cannot get smarter unless you fail. You have to make errors. And, and a lot of people, they never want to look bad. Well, if you never want to look bad, you, then you better be really happy the way you look right now because you're never going to get better. So true. I know that's like the most <laughs> the most important point because you know it's always like failure is a part of growing we fail we learn we grow and if we don't do anything we don't learn anything it feels uncomfortable people don't want to feel uncomfortable people want to feel safe and happy and you're learning new things to feel good about yourself but you can't learn new things unless you make errors which in part makes you feel bad about yourself so i think you know it's not an overnight thing it's a work in progress i think if somebody implements strategies to you know, let go of their ego, really embrace people and be happy you're making errors. Like I look at it as a lot of people, when they mess up, they think, oh man, they feel bad about themselves. They feel stupid, whatever. I look at it. I completely like twisted it in my brain and now it's hardwired. But in the beginning, I remember I was obviously I'm a human. I'm not a, I'm not a robot or an Android or something. When I make an error, I get happy because now I've, whether it's happening or not, I feel like I'm getting smarter. I feel like I'm building those connections. And then once I get that sleep, the sleep cycle and and refresh my brain, the next morning, drastically, I am, I would say 15 to 20% better at that specific task, whether that's learning Japanese or playing guitar or, you know, archback um, archery or horseback archery or whatever the case may be, electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, anything you do, uh, you have to be happy with making errors and failing because if you're failing now we're growing so kind of twisted in your mind and get excited when you're failing because now you just open the door for learning and meta learning and growing and uh you know ultimately hopefully acquiring wealth and more money yeah because some people get discouraged and they get hurt by this but you shouldn't you have to twist it like you explained and it totally makes sense you have to you have to it's I wish it wasn't like that. But then again, life would be boring. If it was so easy and everyone was awesome, then it wouldn't be awesome if everyone's awesome because that awesome would be normal. Yeah. <laughs> what are top five qualities to be successful entrepreneur? Yeah. So we kind of talked about them already. It's, you know, okay. So thick skin for sure. Discipline. I guess you could say structure. Structure kind of plays with discipline. So definitely continuously learning building systems and tools or, you know, implementing tools. And then I would say the last one would be really understanding how humans think. Take a psychology course, really understand. There's a couple of books, um, which is the law of human nature by Robert Greene. It's one of my favorite books. It has nothing to do with business, but it has everything to do with business because 
it's literally how people think, why people make decisions. I think if you really understand on a deep level, like the root level of psychology and why people do what they do, you're going to have a drastic advantage and you're going to be able to use that leverage in negotiating business deals and looking at new things and understanding why someone does something or maybe you want to become a better salesman, whatever. doesn't matter. The point is, is if you understand how people think, you're going to have a drastic advantage going into any situation. That's even finding a relationship, finding a lover. You know, you have to understand why people do certain things and that would be like one of my go-tos. So number five is really understand psychology. That's a great point. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Very interesting. And how can we stay consistent and focused? Like how do you develop grit? How do you develop grit? Well, I think Gen X plays a big part in that. A lot of people are unfortunately born to give up. I think you can obviously develop it because look at Navy SEALs, but it's not easy. If you look at people that go through SEALs training buds, they literally have to be broken down to be built up. So how can you implement this in a modern day without going to like Navy SEALs training? It's really hard. It's, it's really, really hard. I would say <laughs> there's a book called How to Become a Genius. And one of the biggest things in there is looking like a fool in public. Now, this is not medical advice, but if you want to release your ego, go in public and do something embarrassing. Um, there was a there was a study about this guy that he went into Manhattan and he laid in on the sidewalk. He literally just laid down on the sidewalk. This is not a crazy guy. This is not a homeless guy. This is a normal guy. He actually worked on Wall Street, but he read this book and he has an, he had an ego problem. So he tried this thing out. So he literally laid down in the middle of the sidewalk. People are walking past him. You know, in New York, they don't care. They're like, everyone's in their own world. And he said for the first two minutes, he had so much anxiety. His heart was racing. He was shaking. He was sweating. But after five minutes, he got over it. He got used to it. And then he stayed there for 30 minutes. And he felt so released from this like human primal caveman thing that makes us want to look great to attract the opposite sex. He got rid of all that and it, it helped him in his career and helped him with his ego, which in part, like we talked about, if you don't have an ego, you don't care about looking stupid. And if you don't care about looking stupid, now you're in a state of learning. You're in a state of growth and it's not easy, but that would be the more realistic real world scenario that you could do. Cause obviously not, not everyone's going to become a Navy SEAL. So uh, some people are born winners though. Genetics plays a huge part. Some people, it takes a really long time. It, it definitely can be developed, but it's not easy. So I would just say, try to be embarrassed as much as possible. Have you tried? Have you done something in public? <laughs> well, I've, I play uh, music. And when I first was playing, when I was first learning guitar and piano, uh, I, I think I learned like one song and I went outside and just started playing uh, and it was terrible. And people, some people just completely ignored me. Some people were, you know, giving me, trying to give me high fives while I was playing. Some people sat there and watched. And I was terrible. Like literally I knew one song. I knew Wonderwall from Oasis. Um, and I was really nervous. But then after a while, you know, those nerves kind of went in. And then I just did it every day. Um, the more you do embarrassing things, the better you'll be with handling embarrassment. Just like the more you go to the gym, the more physically fit you'll be. The more you do anything, you're going to get better. That's why never giving up is so important. That The more embarrassing stuff you do, the better you'll become at handling embarrassment. And now you're in the driver's seat. Until you master your ego, it's really hard to be successful. It's really, really hard. Unless you are that good, like an Elon Musk, where you can have an ego, but you you acquire, you have the skills already. Um and then genetics, like I said, plays a huge part. Like I, I was always kind of like the confident, naturally confident person. Um, also, another key is if you do have a problem with confidence and you do have a problem with drive, uh, go get a blood test. Go check out your hormone levels. There's a lot of, I talked to a lot of doctors and scientists. Have, hormones play a huge role in your decision making and your drive, how you feel. So get a blood test, get a, bl- get a blood panel test your hormone levels, test your, if for men, test your free and total testosterone, 
And uh, there's a couple of people that I know that can help with that as well. Um, not affiliated, don't get paid for this. Just, you know, trying to help people as much as possible. Cause a lot of what's going on inside your body, it actually uh, formulates how you think and how you think formulates how your life's going to look. And then again, chain reaction, right? So uh, if you're not inherently a confident person, I would definitely go get a blood panel, check your hormone levels. And then for whatever reason, something's out of whack. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different sources where you can dive deep and, you know, getting your proper nutrition and stuff as well, getting sun, exercising, cutting out processed foods, cutting out sugars, you know, there's different things. And then, and then once you cut, once you get the basis, then you can go further on the health spectrum, but, uh, Definitely check that out. But if you don't do that, then just do embarrassing things over and over and over again until it doesn't bother you. I love this advice. <laughs> totally. Sounds interesting. And, you know, I I do have my moments too when I wanted like to give up and I was ready to give up and I was like, whatever, just I'm done with it. But then I remember why I'm doing it. And then mm. I get some feedback and it kind of encourages me. And then I, definitely gets me motivated but also you know i was born in ukraine so i grew up mm. in a different country and growing up there you have definitely different conditions than you have here and it's like you know different yeah. struggles and it's definitely tough and oh for sure R russians and ukrainians are very 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 yeah. tough people and I feel when, when any type of Russian or Ukrainian comes to America, it's like a field day because they've already developed so much hardness that they're like rock. And yeah, I love uh, Russian people and I love Ukrainian people. I love all people. And that's another thing about embrace life, man. It sounds cliche, but life is amazing. The fact that we're able to talk through a screen and you're in another state is just, it's just crazy. And like, we don't know how this actually works like if my computer blew up i wouldn't know what to do i'd have to hire an expert and just the fact that there's wires and wi-fi signals like life is amazing contribute to that and you know and uh don't take life so serious don't take yourself so serious those alpha type characters alpha females and alpha males you know everything has to be perfect just relax and when yeah, you're time always yeah. they're so yeah. afraid of what somebody says oh don't mm -hmm. do this what if people yeah. will talk i mean what if people will say about you so what like yeah. you know i grew up um i mean i i was bullied in school and my self-esteem was kind of hurt but then i built myself up and even though i was bullied i still actually had my i was like the best performer in school i did rhythmic gymnastics and I did belly dance. I performed belly dance like in the school. Nobody ever done that. And so awesome. my parents brought me Persian carpet, Persian rug, like they, you know, pull it out and I dance on it like for high school performance. And everybody was shocked. But, you know, I always done things like that. I was kind of quiet. I mean, not quiet. I'm just like more. I was kind of serious, not just, you know, loud and like all over the place, but like mm -hmm. kind of serious and structured, I guess. But then I would perform and do moments like that and everybody would be shocked. <laughs> yeah. And, and you might not have even realized you were doing it. You were doing it on a subconscious level, but you were developing, yeah. uh, you were lessening your ego, which is going to help you in other aspects of your life. So yeah, like you said, don't take life so serious. Like even Elon Musk, have, if you follow Elon, Elon Musk on Twitter, he doesn't even take himself serious. He He's kind of goofball. He's kind of goofy, to be honest. And he knows that. So if Elon Musk isn't taking himself serious, why are you? Because most people aren't Elon Musk. So, and when you're tense, you're actually going backwards. So there's another incentive to not take yourself so seriously. So how can you build a business that lives forever? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. How do you build a business that lives forever? So number one is thinking about a problem. Like businesses are, it's a business is basically a fancy word for problem solver, right? Like every business solves a problem. You go to a business because you have a problem. So look at businesses like there's a problem, and my business is a, is fixing it. The first thing you want to identify is, is this business going to be, be around in 100 to 200 years? 
like textile. That was amazing. Not a real business anymore. So you want to identify, is this business going to be around in a hundred to 200 years? The second part is don't solely focus on just making money. So focus on people and think about outside the box, like outside the box thinking, right? Is this going to help people? Because if it helps people, it's chances are it's going to be around for a long time. Um, so you got, you can't think about yourself and just a cash grab. You have to think about a business that's going to be sustainable and then, you know, being around for a hundred years or 200 years, is this business going to last that long? Um, you know, you have to implement systems, systems last forever. Humans pass, right? Like one day I'm going to be dead. One day you're going to be dead, but systems, as long as there's someone running it or some, something running it, whether that's AI or another human, the system will will live on forever or at least for a long time, much longer than us. So implementing systems, like I said, your purpose has to be over money. So you really want to help people. The, and it sounds cliche because a lot of people talk about this. It's all about purpose and, you know, purpose, purpose, purpose. It, it's true because if you wake up and you really want to change the world, you really want to change something, or you really would just want to fix one problem, you're not really going to think about money. Money is going to be a byproduct of doing great work and doing deep work and really solving the problem, not just trying to promote yourself. That's going to be a big thing. And then, um, you know, being able to adapt a lot of companies that are still around that have been around for 40, 50 years, they were able to adapt. So there has to be some type of adapt adaptability factor. You can't be set in your ways. We all know those elderly people that it's oh, and back in my day, it was this and back in my, actually, was saying this to my friend the other day about music. I said, Oh man, when I was a kid, I was like, Oh my God, I'm old. I'm saying old, I'm saying like elderly sayings and phrases, but your business has to be like a young person. When you're young, you're optimistic. Oh, this is going to happen. And you can't wait. And then as you get older, you start looking the opposite way. You start looking in the past and oh, things aren't as good as they used to be. You can't be set in your ways with business. You have to set up your business to be adaptable. So, if you want your business to keep growing and keep going, the world is going to change. So your business has to change. And, you know, some things change very rapidly, like technology, and then other things like medicine take a long time to change. So I, I would say that. So think about purpose over money, implementing systems, uh, implementing an adaptability factor of your business, solving critical problems that people actually need help with. And is this business going to be around in 100 to 200 years? Is there going to be a need for this business in 100 to 200 years? If it's a yes to all those different factors, then you're in a good place. You mentioned being adaptable, you know, adapting new changes, new times. I even noticed that high fashion, like designer brands are changing their logos and colors and mm -hmm. They're changing, they're totally rebranding. Like I see now it's so common, even the brands that are used to, you know, Burberry, Jimmy Choo, like they used to have their old logo they always had for years. And now like this time this year, they're changing their logos and it's like so weird to see it, but that's what they're doing to adapt to new environment mm -hmm. and new pace that's going on now. Smart brands will adapt not so smart brands will stay the same. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, look at Uber Eats and DoorDash and what's the other one? Postmates, the restaurants that jumped on those apps, they're doing good. The restaurants that want to keep their own delivery driver, whether they agree with it or not, not so well, you have to be able to adapt the good companies. They know this. So what do you suggest for business owners? whose ads are not converting and how do you get more sales? <laughs> right. That's the golden question. My ads aren't working. <laughs> Give me money.com. Uh, okay. So if your ads aren't working, there could be a lot of different things. Uh, a lot of, a lot of the times your ads suck and you're not solving a big enough problem or you're solving the same problem that 300 other, you know, online businesses are trying to solve. So if your ads aren't converting, um, it could be a bunch of things. You need to split test multiple different ads for the same, for the same, you know, uh, 
result or solving a problem. So you want to split, split test those. And then I would say once you split test 10 to 15 different ads, different thumbnails, different videos, and they're still not working, then you have to see if what you're doing is even in that much of demand. If it is in a high demand, then I would maybe go a different route. Maybe if you've done the research, you've deconstructed and you say, this is a problem. There's other people that are making money by solving this problem. But for whatever reason, my Facebook ads or my Google ads aren't working or they're working a little bit, but we're losing money. Like we're making $10, we're spending $20 to make 10, which is a very common problem. Then sometimes you're actually just not spending enough money. There, there is a threshold with Facebook that once you start spending like 20, 30, 40,000, then the algorithm kicks on and then you're going. But you know, most people don't have 20, 30 grand when they're starting a business just to throw away on testing. So I think the better opportunity is you can spend a lot of money on ads, but the the more intelligent approach in the beginning is to create a community. So create a Facebook group build your list. Your list is the lifeblood of your business. So instead of just going straight from ad to sale, do a, a lead magnet page, offer a free incentive, kind of like you know what you do for your blog. And then now you own that data. So if Facebook decides to turn off, if Google decides to turn off or deplatform you or whatever the case may be, you own that data and just build your list, build your list, build your list. I can't emphasize it enough. You own that. Then nurture your nurture your leads, provide value, and then you ask for money. So a lot of people, they'll just straight out of the gate, ask for money. And think about like someone that you meet on the street. If they're pitching you and they don't even know you, you're going to be like, oh, this guy is like just trying to sell me something. But if you know someone and you've seen them, they've never brought up, hey, do you want to buy my stuff until way after? Or maybe even you ask them, hey, what do you do, by the way? Oh wow, that's amazing! I would love, uh, you know, I would love to hear more about that. Now you have the leverage versus you trying to pitch. People just immediately block that out, and then also a lot of people are just looking to to make money, which the real answer is you have to provide good stuff. So I would say, don't go straight from ad to sale because you will burn a lot of money, and people don't know you. They're not going to give you money if you're not famous already. It's going to be really hard. Do ad to data and then get the data to your list, cultivate your list, build your list forever. And I believe Russell Brunson says that you should be making $1. Yeah. $1 a month per contact on your list. So with that metric, if I have a hundred thousand people on my list, I should be making $1 a month off of them. So that's a hundred thousand dollars a month. If you're not making on average $1 a month per contact in your list, your approach is wrong. Your offer is wrong. Something's wrong. So that would be the first thing. You can also build communities and like-minded people in a Facebook group and cultivate that group, cultivate it, and then you know offer some type of back-end offer, which works. Um, podcasts, going on podcasts, even if you have to pay to go on, like Jordan, I think Jordan Belfort, he charges like five to 10 grand to be on his podcast. That's a huge thing because now you're taking that, uh, level of platform and now you're offering something or you're not even offering, you're just talking. People are instantly going to be interested and then uh, just straight up paying influencers to promote your stuff. Someone that has built a brand, someone that is relatively famous in their field, you're going to have a much better tactic than just plainly running ads. If you have a surplus amount of money, sure, run YouTube ads, run Facebook ads. If it works, if it doesn't work, whatever. Even if you're losing money, but you're building some type of a following, whatever, like you have the money. If you don't have the money and you have a set budget and once this budget's up, like you're screwed, I would go the other route. I would focus on building a list, building a group, Facebook page community, going on podcasts. And then right before I would run ads, I would pay influencers in that specific field to be like an ambassador for the company that you're going to get the best ROI that way. That's amazing advice. And, you know, I worked with over hundred brands, nationwide brands already in my career. And I've done like so many years in project management. So I see that like, and to me, so obvious how some brands lose their money because of wrong marketing. They're so afraid to spend extra money on marketing or paying influencers or even paying 
for um you know promotion but they lose so much you don't and on the other hand other brands create the structure they create so much hype that everyone mm. wants to be part of it that don't they don't even have to pay that much to you know for yes for others to promote them so it's like structure but some brands don't mm. even see it and they are so afraid and so high <laughs> to their budget that mm. just like they lose in the long run <laughs> yeah people have it backwards ads are made for people that already know you to remind them of you ads are not made to acquire new fresh traffic so yes can you gain an audience by running ads yes you can but you are going to spend a lot of money and you're not going to make that money back initially. Like you're not going to be able to run an ad, sell somebody on your product that you're running the ad and then get the money and then be able to make any type of increase on top of your budget. If you're smart, you use all those other things, influencers, going on podcasts, um, you know, running ads, not for a sale, running ads to put in your email. So you're, so you're obtaining that data. Then once you've built an audience, then you can run ads, but you've already, you already have people that follow you. Now you're not trying to gain new people and convince or persuade new people that you're awesome. They already know you're awesome. They're following you. Now you're just reminding them. And especially if you're running a special, you could say, Hey, remember me? I have this influencer or that influencer. That's an ambassador. We're running a promotion. And you know, again, this is why understanding how people think the Law of Human Nature by Robert Greene. Read that book and really get an understanding, the root understanding of psychology. Then you use ads at your advantage once you've already have an audience, once you've built that. But I wouldn't just straight go into, hey, we're starting a brand. Let's start running ads. I, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. And for those who don't have a budget to start a brand or fund their idea, where they can find funds or investors or... Mm. How does it all work? Yeah, it, it's 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 really hard, right? Every business has some form of upfront cost. So if you're expecting to run a business and you don't have a budget, you're going to lose. So don't do that. Don't quit your job until your stuff is running or you have so much money, you have four years of salary saved up that you're willing to take a risk. So do not quit your job. Believe me, I know so many people that they work a job and then they're, have this miraculous idea to start a business and then they quit their job. They start a business, they blow all their money on this tool and that subscription and that and this and that. And before you know it, they're freaking out because they have no money and they don't know how to pay their bills. And I've seen relationships break up. I've seen, you know, catastrophe stories happen. And I would definitely recommend do not quit your job until your business is making more money than your salary or at least half of your salary or you're seeing some type of growth. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, listen, it, it's hard to get people to give you money. Like everyone that's listening to this knows that if you ask for money, it's not easy. No one's just going to offer to give you money. You have to have some type of you know, studies or background, you have to have some type of data supporting it. Um, there are different platforms that you can go to get seed investing. I think, oh man, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but there is a platform where you can go on and you can basically like pitch your idea and there's investors on there, like literally looking like VCs. But the, the really the important thing is not just trying to get money. You have to kind of like what Cal, Cal Newport says is be so good they can't ignore you. Also, Steve Martin, Steve Martin is be so good that they cannot ignore you. So if you're doing something miraculous that no one's doing and your stuff is good, finding money and finding people to write a check, that's easy. That's not the hard part. The hard part is, is your stuff important? Are people even willing to give you money? Why would they give you money? Why should they give you money over the next person? So instead of focusing on how to acquire a loan, you should focus on doing deep work and solving a critical problem. Because once you solve a critical problem, you actually solve, not you think, you actually solve a, a critical problem. People will be trying to give you money left and right. You'll actually have to turn people down. So don't focus on getting money. Focus on doing good work 
while you have a job. So don't quit your job. Do the research. Stay in the lab while you have a job. I want to emphasize while you have a job. And then once you have some miraculous new thing, people will give you money. Once people give you money, then you can quit your job. And then you can pursue a business. Love this advice. And where can our listeners find you, your social handles? Like if you offer any services, please share with us as well. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on uh, Justin Caviar, basically on everything. So at Justin Caviar on Instagram, at Justin Caviar on Twitter, uh, Justin Caviar on YouTube. If you go to Spotify or Apple Music or basically any podcast platform, I have a show where we deconstruct world-class performers. Uh, we focus on meta learning, acquiring wealth, becoming smarter. Uh, and that's the Justin Caviar show. So that's the Justin Caviar show. Uh, if you want to hear me talk more and you want to hear me talk to scientists and, you know, venture capitalists and just good ideas and just becoming basically becoming Bradley Cooper and limitless, that's the show, the Justin Caviar show. So that's where I would, um, where you would find me. And then if you're interested in anything that I do, just message me on Instagram, say, Hey, I heard you on this show and, uh, and we can talk. Nice. Thank you so much, Justin, for being my guest. Absolutely. I appreciate you. That was all for today, guys. I hope you really enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Not Basic Blonde podcast is available on all the major platforms with new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. To support the show, tag NBB podcast on your Instagram stories and check out more behind the scenes on Instagram as well at notbasicblonde underscore or NBB podcast. And if you haven't, Subscribe, rate, and review Not Basic Blonde Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.